1: Welcome to Minisode 149 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things.
0: And I'm Andy Stewart. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning, good morning. Hello there.
1: For date stamp purposes, 11.30am on Sunday. How are you?
0: I'm alright, man. I'm okay. Not too bad at all. Just getting on with it, really. I've been up since the crack of dawn. And, uh, That's spirit, good, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, here I am now doing this for you, it's lovely. Fantastic.
1: I am also fine. Yeah, I was getting to that. Fairly uneventful week, and by uneventful I mean kind of like unremarkable, very busy, but no like events,
0: you know? I'm going to have to agree with you there, I have been largely the same. However, I have squeezed in some viewing, how about you? A couple of things, I just wanted to quickly mention that the Arrow Video 4K releases of both Donnie Darko and Battle Royale have just landed, so I will be talking about them probably next week, but uh, okay. I'm looking forward to digging into those because they look pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, the only thing really that I wanted to mention this week that I watched, apart from Irreversible, which I don't really want to get into because we all know about Irreversible, mm-hmm. is something that we both watched last night, actually. Yep. Now, regular listeners to the show will be aware of Paddy Murphy. He is a filmmaker from Limerick in Ireland and he has been on this podcast twice now, I believe. That is correct. Jason goes to hell and Ghoulies too. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what, a, what a pairing! But yeah, last night Paddy did something kind of interesting. I think because um, I hadn't heard of this. Apparently, a couple of maybe a couple of other people have done it, but this was certainly my first experience of someone doing it that I know and kind of going on and watching it. But. Paddy premiered his newest feature on Twitch last night. He did, yeah. Uh, in Memoriam. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, previously, Paddy's features have been The Three Don'ts and The Perished, which played at Fright Fest a couple of years back.
1: Yeah, that's right. And Paddy kind of just, like, hadn't really mentioned this a massive amount and just kind of maybe last week uh, said that he was going to be giving his third feature, a premiere, on Twitch at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So um, I took a wee break from the concluding Soho Shockdown Saturdays. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, which was... Was also really good yesterday um to check this out now my level of familiarity with Twitch as a platform is pretty limited. Um, oh. I got an account to watch this. I don't know if you needed to do that or not, but I just did it. And I think that this was a good move by Paddy for a start. Like, I want to say that, like, I think that this works as an idea because when you looked at the amount of people that were in the room mm-hmm. uh, before it started, I kind of looked at it and I was like, "That's more than a sold-out small screen at a festival."
0: Yes, yeah, definitely.
1: So I was that was like, this is a this is a smart use of that platform because there's more eyes on this than there would have been in a real kind of, like, in-person festival.
0: Also, possibly if it
1: premiered at a digital festival. Absolutely. Quite possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, no qualms of that at all. Twitch, as a format, as a platform, <laughs> as a thing, is absolutely baffling to me, I must say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, you were kind of texting me last night uh, as you I took a moment to explore Twitch and the offerings on Twitch. Now I'm kind of loosely familiar with Twitch because I have an account and I kind of follow a few people on there, one of which in fact is Paddy. Um, So I've seen streams on Twitch before, I kind of have a rough idea of how it works. But you seem to be completely out of your depth. You were like <laughs> an, an old guy with a new mobile phone.
1: Yeah, I went on. and uh, So I, I, f- I think I set up my account at like half past nine or something like that. Um, and the thing started at 10. So I was like, oh, I have half an hour to kill. I am going to just familiarize myself with Twitch on a conceptual level get sure. an understanding for how this works 30 minutes <laughs> later i was no further on i uh, i just dropped in on a couple of things and i understand that it exists largely but not exclusively for streaming video games
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i know that
1: people do it for other things and i understand the appeal of that i've watched a couple of myself in my time on other things but um the actual interface is terrifying to me like i logged it like <laughs> i just jumped into one and started watching a guy <laughs> streaming a game as an audio visual experience watching it happen was absolute sensory bombast to me i've never felt more out of touch with young people
0: <laughs> yeah because when you go on a twitch screen you or a Twitch stream, you've got, like, comments down one side, you've got emojis and gifs pinging all over the fucking place. Like <laughs> It's like, remember back in the day before, like, pop-up blockers were really good and really kind of effective? You'd open your browser and then it would just go bing 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 bing, and your whole screen would be full of bullshit. Porn, poker, you fucking name it. It feels a bit like that. And I think that this must be a To The Uninitiated thing. But I just remember, I <laughs>
1: You know that thing where, like, in films where, or, like, cartoons where somebody, like, opens a door and they hear, like, loads of screaming and a big rabble and then they just shut it again and they're like, ah! <laughs> that was how I felt when I was, like, dotting between them because I was just like, oh, God, there's chat, there's emojis, and now another window's opened up and there's another streamer talking to me. And, and now there's some music stop and now there's some other music playing and it's like, have I got music playing in another tab? What's going on? <laughs> just mash your keyboard, get off, get off, get off, get off. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the point where I threw my laptop in the river, <laughs> which you could easily panic. do
0: from your house. With, I could, yeah, if uh-huh. I hefty enough throw.
1: Yeah, with a little bit of a wind up, I could. But um, yeah, uh, after that kind of like, uh, that panicked interlude, I came back to Paddy's show and checked out in memoriam as you did as well. Yeah. So I found footage film this time, shot in uh, December 2019, I believe.
0: Yeah, and massive loved to Paddy because he did take a little minute at the start prior to the film beginning. Like He, he mentioned kind of how this film came to be it was after a conversation with me at Fright Fest in 2019 when I told him. Just go out and fucking make something, man. And uh, that's exactly what he did. And, do you know, I think that the stripped-back nature of what he's done here has really worked to Paddy's benefit because uh, I don't mind saying, I said it to Paddy himself after it, this might be my favourite thing that he's done.
1: Yeah, I like this quite a bit. I thought it was pretty cool, as is often the case with uh, found footage stuff. I kind of feel like, almost by necessity, if it doesn't airdrop you straight into the kind of chaos, then the kind of story-building bit always feels a little bit like treading water because you're basically waiting to see if what it's building to is going to work. So for the first half hour or so, I was kind of like, yep, okay, let's just see where this goes. But I kind of, I wasn't one way or the other with it, to be honest. I was just kind of like, right, I'm just ready to see how this unfolds.
0: Yeah, me too. To begin with, there was a few things that rubbed me up the wrong way. There was a couple of like non-diegetic sounds in there that jarred me a little bit because we've talked before about how I find that anything that doesn't naturally exist in the world and I found footage film pulls me out of it. Yeah, you mentioned this just lately, I believe,
1: yeah, and I, and I do agree with you, but I think that when you get into the kind of main thrust of the scare mm-hmm. of this, I think that, particularly, without saying too much about what this is actually about, yeah, when it kind of moves to the location where most of this is going to unfold, or kind of most of the kind of meat of this is going to unfold, I think it really doesn't put much of a foot wrong, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and great location, like, that's an absolute shithole to be shooting in, so <laughs> kudos to Paddy and everyone involved for spending yeah. their time there, because it is an unpleasant location. Absolutely, yeah,
1: more power to the law of them. Uh, so no idea when this will obviously be kind of like more readily available but more strong stuff from Paddy and I think it's cool yeah. as well because like, I thought The Perished was a good film as well obviously mm-hmm. we've talked about it a decent amount but it's cool to see him just do something that's such a departure and kind of stick the land in with that as
0: well. Yeah I'm, I'm really like when I first I, I, again I don't mind telling you when I first heard it was found footage I was like oh How's this going to go? Because historically, I'm not a massive fan of found footage films in general, with, <laughs> yeah, some, this is, this with, with is... some kind of notable exceptions. Um, uh-huh, yeah, But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised because it seemed like he'd taken the time to make sure that scares were effective like there was a lot of kind of layers to stuff if you really pay attention there's a lot of things to see in there that you might not notice in the first kind of watch yeah i was quite i was quite impressed by this actually i think uh Paddy's done a good job obviously it kind of wears its low budget on its sleeve or, or no budget as the case might be on its sleeve and there are points where that does show, but again, I, I don't really think that's that's a bad thing here.
1: I wouldn't say so. Also, yeah, like when you said the front fix thing, I had the same kind of same reservations, and I'll just say as well that this is the second film of Paddy's in a row that when I heard what he was doing, my instinct uh, or my instinctive response was. Um, Hoping out what you're doing.
0: And for the second time in a row, he has. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's done quite well there. I was pretty impressed. And then after it, he did a, a pretty cool Q&A as well on Twitch with a lot of the kind of cast and crew and stuff. So that was pretty cool as well. I think. I mean, I don't know how many more of these people are going to do because things are kind of loosening up a bit, I think, uh, in, in terms of COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But as an experiment, I mean, Paddy says himself, the film is an experiment, uh, an yeah. experiment I think that has largely worked for him. And I, I think as an experiment, premiering your film on Twitch was quite successful as well, I would say. Yeah,
1: I would say it was pretty shrewd, and it worked. Yeah. Like, definitely, absolutely. So, yeah, well done to Paddy, and that was in
0: memoriam. Uh, so, did you say that was the main thrust of your viewing this week? Largely, I do have, obviously, uh Nature Gone Wild uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. to talk about, but I also did watch the latest episode of Creepshow, now I'm sure that's where you can also weigh in.
1: Yeah, that's a good bridge. Um, yeah, I did watch this week's episode of Creepshow, two segments, uh, Series 2, Episode 4, and the first one
0: directed again by Joel Lynch. Yeah, second week in a row, having Joel Lynch direct a segment here. Written by and starring, I believe, Eric Edelstein, who was in things like Green Room, and Barbara Crampton. Yeah,
1: so uh, Pipe Screams is about a janitor who is going uh, trying to unpl- uh, unclog a drain.
0: Yeah, and this real... Shonky kind of apartment block where Barbara Crampton kind of plays this evil, I suppose is the only word for her kind of landlady. Yeah, she's like the super. Yeah, like a land. She's like the landlord. I think because she like oh, one of the. You-, you know, you hear about these dodgy landlords who like just allow like 400 people to live in one flat where like a dodgy gas fire and then uh, like everyone winds up dying from a carbon monoxide leak and the guy's just like wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh.
1: It's very much that vibe. Now this is probably a reason point to bring this up. I think that generally the reason that I find Creepshow 2, or Creepshow Season 2 should I say, working for me better is that I feel like it's embracing its exaggerated, kind of hyper-real comic book leanings in a way that I've just generally found more convincing than the first series. I actually think that
0: Barbara Crampton's like Cruella de Vil vibes here is a little bit too far that way. Do you know, I was actually going to say the same thing. I feel like I'm bashing Crampton quite a lot lately um, <laughs> for the the, or the past couple of things that I've seen her in, but um, I just couldn't get on board with her in this at all. I, I don't know, that level of kind of Machiavellian villainy just doesn't work for me with Barbara Crampton. I don't know what it is. Certainly yeah, not this exaggerated version of it.
1: It didn't sit entirely comfortably with me that I must say. However, what did you think of this in the round? Because obviously the idea is that this particular clog and this particular drain is... Not your standard.
0: No, it's kind of send It's kind of this sentient ball of gunge and fur. Um, uh, I, I quite liked it actually. I thought uh, it got quite silly and quite nasty and grisly in a way that again kind of appealed to me. Like there's a lot of kind of slapsticky elements that are again kind of lifted from Evil Dead. Um, like when he's like trying to smash this big blob off his hand with plates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a
1: that's a fair comparison. This this didn't work quite so well for me, uh, just because it's just something that I go for a little less than you do. I think. Yeah. But I mean, like that doesn't mean that I can't step back and acknowledge the fact that. For people who do like this thing, this type of this kind of thing, it's effective and it will work.
0: Yeah, and I quite liked how it wrapped up at the end. I thought that was, I thought that was quite fun. And I certainly, I would say, I liked this segment more than I liked the next one. Yeah, within
1: the walls of madness.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this kind of three kind of scientists yeah. in.
1: This isolation, post-evacuation type thing where they are kind of looking after and studying this creature. And it kind of widens out into this revenge story and these kind of big personal dramas and backstories are seeded. And the whole thing is retold from the perspective of one character that's now in prison.
0: Yeah, on death row.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um So I actually felt like this didn't really know what it wanted to be. Yeah. I felt like it played it a fair bit straighter than a lot of the other segments.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you want a kind of comparison to things that this will kind of evoke in you, it's things like The Thing, it's things like Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness. Now, that comparison also kind of ties into the name and the fact that this pretty much ends on a gigantic... Lovecraftian Cthulhu beast. Which I kind of saw coming a mile away and I kind of hated.
1: Yeah, I, I just couldn't take to this. It was just one of those things, you know when you just get a bad feeling about something from the off? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that just kind of never lifted. But... I mean, in general, what I will say is that I, I think that generally the aesthetic and style of this is working far more for me than it did before. And like the kind of comic inlays in the middle of the segments. Yeah. and Stuff like that. I feel like they're leaning into that kind of thing a little bit more. It's starting to feel a little bit more like it belongs in the brand rather than it just being an anthology that's piggybacking on the brand.
0: Yeah, I get that. Yeah. But can I just rant about one thing very quickly? It's annoyed me since season one. And it still annoys me. Please do something with that digital creep in the opening credits because it looks fucking terrible.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that as well. I really like the theme song.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that digital and, creep looks like something out of like a PlayStation Two game.
1: Yeah, it does. It doesn't work a great deal for
0: me either. But we've got the
1: finale of that next week creep show, um, which we'll tell you a little bit more about later on.
0: Yeah. Elsewhere viewing
1: wise, I got round to a couple of things this week. First off, Train to Busan.
0: Peninsula. Ah, oh, right, okay. Now I started watching this the other day and then I got sidetracked by my day job. Um, so I, n- I never got actually around to finishing it. Hi to my boss if they're listening. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so obviously a sequel to 2016's Train of Busan, which was obviously a wildly successful uh, zombie movie. Amazing. Uh, and, and deservedly so. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely brilliant. So, Trinity Peninsula is a very very different beast. Uh, it is far more of an action film. It's far more blockbustery. Yeah, it's a continuation of the events of the first one, but basically. The peninsula that it refers to, that the title refers to, is this now largely uninhabited island, or at least an island that's overrun with zombies so people don't go there. And you have these three guys who are enlisted by this crime syndicate to go and get what is either a massive bag of money or, like, contraband of some kind that's worth a lot of money. Right, okay. And it's basically just that. It's it's just, like, it's a fairly, like, high-octane zombie action film. I think that... You need to think about this as a standalone film. The more comfortably you can separate it from Train to Busan, I think the more likely you are to enjoy it because liking the first one is no guarantee that you're going to like this. You can tell from the beginning that it's not going to land the emotional
0: hits like the first one did. Yeah, because Train to Bassan's devastating. devastating. Like, and I, right away, even from the kind of small amount of this that I watched the other day, Uh, you can kind of tell that's not the direction this film's interested in going in.
1: Yeah, and when it does do it, because there is one right at the start, it's this kind of like cloying sentimentalism that the first film managed to almost completely avoid. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, okay. And then, yeah, you can tell that it's just made for a bigger audience or the bigger audience that they knew they were going to get this time because, you know, there's a lot of English language news for exposition at the start and stuff like that. This is perfectly fine like this is a perfectly solid like six and a half out of ten action film i had a fine time watching it that's
0: a good rating yeah it's
1: it's solid it's good like I, f- I think that there's a lot to commend it there's some some really cool kind of like battle royale hunger gamesy stuff in the middle of it that i really enjoyed um mm. where one of them gets kind of kidnapped and taken to this place where um some of these living people are kind of pitted against each other with zombies kind of featured in this weird kind of like bullfighting robot wars type environment yeah <laughs> and i really like that stuff actually yeah this is this is pretty good but i just think that it's a recommendation that comes with a caveat that you shouldn't battle into this being like trenton was great therefore i like this because it won't work for everyone but it is i i i i was perfectly fine with it. It's
0: interesting actually that you mentioned Battle Royale there because Battle Royale 2 Requiem tries to do something very similar where it kind of becomes this even more futuristic action movie like it's like everyone's tooled up everyone's got guns and, and to me it just doesn't land anywhere near as effectively as Battle Royale does so it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting it's interesting that that's also what's happened here.
1: I, and like I said like, I don't think that this fails by any stretch of the imagination I just think that people should know what they're setting up for before yeah. they started. It. it almost like it deliberately separates itself from the original, far enough to carve out this action world that it wants to live in. Mm-hmm. It kind of wants to have its cake and eat it in that way, I suppose. Yeah, because obviously you still want to stick the name on it because it's a Train to Busan presents. Yeah, um, which I also I don't like as an name yeah, convention. Don't like, but I, just...
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't like the, the, the using that word there. Just feels to me as if you can just snap up any zombie film that comes your way and just slap that kind of Train to Busan presents on the front of it, and it makes me uncomfortable. It's like snapping up films and just putting Cloverfield in the title. <laughs>
1: Good job nobody ever did that. Yeah. The only other thing that I watched this week was Minor Premise, which I mentioned on these streaming oh, yeah. platforms a couple of weeks ago, and I said that I was probably going to watch it. Yeah. Um. This is the directorial debut from Eric Schultz. I was almost sure that I knew that name, but apparently I don't. Um, <laughs> because uh, the only two things that he's made were um, this and the short that it was adapted from. Are you thinking of Eric Stoltz? Potentially, yes, from possibly. Anaconda yeah.
0: and the Fly, too.
1: That might be it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this is a kind of like fairly low budget sci-fi about this scientist who gets kind of like wrapped up up in this experiment that he's kind of doing in this attempt to kind of emulate his very successful father. Right. But what he's doing basically is he is pitting 10 fragments of his consciousness against each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this manifests itself with, after, after you kind of get into the meat of the experiment and what he's doing, is that each of the fragments of his consciousness gets six minutes an hour. Okay. Now, I liked the sound of this because I thought that it had the same feel to me, the way people were talking about it, as things that I'm very vocally a fan of, things like Another Earth and things like Coherence and Sound of My Voice. So I watched it with kind of those films in mind, and I would say that I didn't take to it as immediately as I did those films, but this is on Sky Cinema, and I think this is really, really interesting. It's got some really, really good ideas at its core, and I think that it kind of follows through on them pretty convincingly. I'm not... I probably need to rewatch it to think about how it works in terms of payoff, I would say. Right. It's just its just one of those things where there's just, like, there's a good idea that has to be story-driven. Okay. Because there's nothing for it to hide behind because the budget doesn't let it. So, and I think that it works. I think that there's a good idea here that is kind of, like, reasonably well-developed and reasonably followed through on. So, yeah, this is now TV if people want to go check it out, but that film was minor premise. And I really and I dug it quite a bit. Excellent. I did watch some other stuff this week, but um, it's stuff that you've already talked about. All oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, like I watched Mom and Dad because it landed on Shutter, <laughs> and I thought that, that was, but I thought that was pretty fun um, and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's the main height of it. However, yeah. you did say that we were zeroing in on the kind of closing stages, the home stretch of Nature Gone Wild. But
0: what did you go for this week? <laughs> I just want to say that you know, I have been talking about bringing this to an end for a little while now, and I think in the next few weeks. Great White comes out with Katrina Bowden in it. Oh, you're going to you gonna leave that to be the finale? I might do, I might do. I'm not entirely sure when it comes out, but I know it's coming out, I think it's next month sometime. So I kind of want to just go out on a big Daft Shark movie. Fair. But in the meantime, Gennetto De Rossi died. Gennetto De Rossi is a special effects artist who created some of my favourite effects of all time. Did a lot of stuff with Lucio Fulci. Um, most notably for me, Zombie Flesh Heels.
1: Uh-huh, okay. So, how did you go about honouring his memory this week?
0: Well, I could have watched any number of Lucio Fulci things where he does incredible special effects, but instead I watched his directorial effort, Killer Crocodile 2. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Uh, so, how far back are we going here? I'm guessing a little while.
0: Yeah, we're going back to, I think, late 80s, early 90s. I can't quite remember exactly. But, uh, yeah, don't want to dwell on it too much. Big giant crocodile. Not the same crocodile from the first film, just another big crocodile. Okay. Um, And you have all the usual kinda ecological backstory going on and all like it's very it's almost like this mutant crocodile has just if you take Tromaville and drop it in a swamp rather than a city, that's the kind of level of pollution we're talking about in this uh, <laughs> in this place. Um, and okay. this crocodile is just a big, flappy-mouthed savage, and it's quite wonderful, actually. <laughs> like Both the killer crocodile films are available on Blu-ray from 88 Films, and I'd say they're worth picking up, because they're an absolute hoot. This big crocodile, I think, mostly practical as far as I can tell, almost entirely practical, is just... A sight to behold
1: excellent okay this sounds a little bit more successful it sounds like you've had a little bit of a turnaround in fortunes a
0: little bit lately yeah i've just decided i think coming into the end of this i'm going to try to watch things that i know are a bit better because some of the things i've watched that are bad are intentionally bad and that's great they work Some of the things I've watched are bad and they're just terrible, and it's a bit of a downer. So I know I asked for recommendations, so if anyone does send me a recommendation, try to keep it bad but entertaining. On the subject of recommendations, that
1: might be a nice little segue into our next segment. Yeah. feedback time then big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch this week and big thank you of course also to josh tonks for joining us this week and talking my soul to take we'll get to that in a minute but um i think i did send you over a recommendation that we received for nature gone wild this week
0: there's a couple stevie reeves been on at me again obviously Uh, (laughs) (laughs) to what extent i'm willing to give stevie's recommendations the time i'm not entirely sure what he has suggested this week is the great alligator sergio martino's film which is currently on Prime. Now, I have seen it. It is pretty good. Don't know if I can be bothered revisiting it, given that I've just watched Killer Crocodile. Enough. But uh, thank you, Stevie. I have also had a suggestion, which is kind of timely as well, given what I just said a minute ago. Aha. Uh-huh. Coming in from Tongue Style Blues at Sugar Ape. Quest alert. Killer Shark, a.k.a. Death Shark. <laughs> it feels like an incredibly inconsequential title change Yeah, the link here isn't a link to like uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix or anything like that, it's to moviesandmania.com, so I'm not entirely sure if this film exists yet, or if it's released yet, I'd have to look into that, so I don't really know anything about it, Rather, aside from the fact that it has a pretty interesting image here. Now, now, now zooming in on this, the shark seems gigantic and the boat beside it looks like a micro-machine <laughs> <laughs> okay. so uh, this is either a very big shark or a comically small boat yeah okay I'm very I'm curious to figure out which of those two it is is Ben Wheatley still making the Meg too? yep <laughs> that's so silly
1: yep that's still a thing that that resurfaced uh, this week um, after In the Earth premiered in America right and, um, yeah people people started talking about the fact that he's been given the keys to so that one very very interesting very strange Dane Bowers will be furious
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i totally forgot that he hated kill list
1: so funny um i want to say a quick hello to dave shakes hi dave the shakes 72 on twitter um at this point he was working his way through our episode on the stuff from a couple of weeks back but don't oh, yeah. uh so much fun really really loved doing All that right. one uh he got back saying still got one third of the strong violent pc the stuff episode to listen to but gents you made a journey to and from work after two weeks off more bearable these are the kind of things i like to hear i like yeah hearing. me too Um, He also says, spit the coffee moments came when the inevitable Snyder's Jalapeno Bites reference was dropped, and again, with the strength of three supermarket workers. (laughs) Really glad you enjoyed the episode, Dave. And on the subject of uh, Snyder's pretzel pieces. (laughs) Now, I don't want to dwell on this too much because I kind of feel like if people are just kind of dropping in on the podcast and they hear this then it might not make a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. But I do want to mention it quickly because it took up about 75% of the feedback this week across a number of platforms. But the ongoing discussion of uh, which is the super superior flavour of uh, Snyder's of Hanover pretzel pieces has raged on and levelled up quite significantly uh, this week so what started all this was uh, in the Trudlocker, Alison, Alison Garcia, uh-huh. um, our old pal got in touch and uh, she said, will I start a war if I say that this is the superior flavour and posted a picture of the honey, mustard and onion pers- uh, kind of oh. variety
0: Oh God! Now obviously I'm not privy to the behind the scenes workings of the Trudlocker or really any of the comments there but that's not to say that I or my feeds have been immune from honey mustard and onion spam (laughs) because i've had people reaching out to me saying you take your jalapeno and shelve them and try the honey mustard and onion ones now far be it from me to sit here and blindly claim that the jalapeno flavor is the superior flavor i've done my research here i've tried the honey mustard and onion ones in fact as a test prior to this discussion i bought a bag yesterday and I was texting you as I ate them, Mitch, and more than comfortable, to now say the jalapeno ones are not only the superior flavour of Snyder's of Hanover pretzel pieces, they are also... The perfect snack. They're so flavourful. They're so crunchy. For me anyway, they hit all the points that I'm looking for. They also don't have that weird back-of-the-tongue-clawing sweetness that the honey mustard ones do.
1: Uh, Dan Popomatic actually got in touch saying that the chat on another uh, on another feed he was on uh, had turned to this as well. And uh, he said that a war had broken out between jalapeno fans and people spouting heresy about the other flavours being better. He also said, I think we now know what the real stuff is.
0: I want to say at this juncture as well, right, that we have talked about Snyder's of Hanover, we have tagged them, other people have tagged them, they've tagged us. We haven't heard peep one from Snyder's of Hanover on this point, right? We haven't even heard them saying, I'm glad that you have such lively conversations about the flavours of, of our product. I don't want this show to get bogged down in pretzel piece chat.
1: I think that pretzel discourse will be the downfall of us all.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm happy to occasionally have it swell up and flare up again. But I don't want this show to become defined by a brand that refuses to acknowledge us. (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I am jumping through no more hoops for this company.
0: No, no, I will continue to eat their delicious product, make no mistake. But as far as airtime, I'm willing to give them. I think the the tanks are running low.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My my um my enjoyment of this, save for crunching, will now be enjoyed in dignified silence. <laughs> I want to quickly just uh, jump into the Chudlocker now. Uh, I kind of normally just the Chudlocker is a very lively conversation forum, and I kind of just generally happy to just let people chat things out a little bit. I like reading stuff and occasionally weighing in, but I just mostly just enjoy. Uh, seeing how people are interacting with each other and stuff like that and i think that's really cool i want to say hello to andrew Barron this week who has just been getting in touch with some really fun stuff uh letting us know what he's up to uh he'd like he's been letting us know like some cool blu days he's been picking up and it kicked off a conversation about spookies oh and, yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah 101 just put spookies out
1: yeah that's what he picked up and that like and there was some conversation about how people would love to hear somebody pick that as an episode of the show things like that so that was all very cool but again i just want to give a top conversation starter badge to andrew Barron this week um however chris Skelp? got in touch and asked a really interesting question and i just wanted to dwell on for a little bit because i'd be quite interested to hear more people's thoughts okay so chris basically said that um it was after we were talking about what this stuff would play well in a double bill with right and we were talking about street trash and we're talking about how to get ahead in advertising and all those kinds of things chris then asked he was like if you could do or program a double feature of films that have been covered on this show what would you choose and why
0: Oh, wow. Interesting question. Brilliant. Yeah, I thought this
1: was really cool. So, very quickly, I just want to see through a couple of responses. Andrew Barron said, I would double build pieces and Frankenhooker. Uh, both deal with men building a false ideal with a female form, but they handle that topic in a very different way. Uh-huh. James Duffy, probably in the mouth of madness and shocker.
0: Wow, okay.
1: Uh, underappreciated works I think don't know who the directors were and them not being held in the esteem of previous works which I think is kind of interesting I think he's probably right I think that both those films probably do live in the shadows of the director's other works yeah fine with that uh, Eleanor Jackson In the Mouth of Madness and Scream 4 both exploring negative consequences of the dissemination of media and the alteration of the observer but quite differently I feel like Scream 4's technological narcissism multiplied by Sutter kane style interference would be a sight to behold that is one a great double bill and two a great answer
0: amazing yeah incredibly Brilliant. incredibly detailed like it a lot
1: and also Alison Garsh gosh i get in touch saying halloween h20 and urban legend which i think we play great yeah she's also titling that echoes of a scream
0: oh people are even titling the night
1: yeah people people were, t- were taking it really seriously but they were giving really really great considered answers and i just wanted to give a quick mention to the fact that um our listeners are great
0: Every one of you are amazing. I just want to quickly touch on one last thing that I've got here coming in from our old pal Kim Morrison. Oh yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. Just saying, I really enjoyed my soul to take. I love small town curse movies. Kim, one, nice to hear from you. Two, good on you
1: for being one of the only voices really speaking up in defence of my soul to take
0: there's kind of been a pregnant silence this week in the, the kind of discourse as it relates to my soul to take it's almost as if people have just went nah it's not for me uh, i'm not touching it
1: yeah um dan Popmatic said that he thought that it was good that we could have a funny and informed conversation about a film that bad and i think that's about the only other contribution that i remember yeah when, i saw uh, that too Uh, anyone having I mean yeah he's got a point I mean it was it was a great conversation I loved it Um, and uh, I thought that Josh completely understood the brief in terms of how to come into the conversation yeah because he was very ready to make fun of it but also you could tell that like you know he was very interested in the story of it and how we ended up with the film that we got yeah absolutely um, with my solo take so yeah very really cool stuff that is about my lot for feedback but I just want to just kind of generally round off and just say that this has been a really really fun week in terms of just having nice stuff to read and just things that made me really happy um with the way that you guys are interacting with us and with each other it's really really cool uh never stop
0: never stop so
1: once again time for mitch's pitches then this is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment now while we're recording andy will send a picture to my phone it will mm-hmm. be a poster from a horror film from years gone by you will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text only the image will remain it will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis based solely on that image now Last week, we had Cannibal Apocalypse, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, correct, yes, yes. Apocalypse Domani, Reappropriated by me as Stomasicus, Large Intestines, No Mercy. Oh, great, (laughs) yep. A whole load of responses that I really want to get into because some of these are awesome.
0: Lay them on me, Mitch.
1: Hani underscore Ray on Twitter, the sole surviving young criminal from the original film, love it, turns to dark magic to get into a new gang, but after a spell backfires and turns the gang into cannibals, he starts to think he might have made things worse. Again... Cannibal criminals too, not again. Uh, Cosmic Ray Girl Benedict Balls has <laughs> B-A-W-L-E-S right. has has mad stomach turning pains from eating too many Mexican burritos when all of a sudden he needs to find a toilet ASAP can he get to the bog in time I bet he Mexi-can't <laughs> 1993's Balls in the shitty
0: All right, okay
1: Dave Shakes Ivor Strange Pains intestinal tract is infested with vengeful ghosts of extras he left on the cutting room floor as director of classic R-rated zombie movies wow Hungry for revenge, they take a pound of flesh and tear his R soul apart in 1986's Crud, Creator's Really Ugly Demise.
0: <laughs> I love how uh, gastric people have gotten with us.
1: Very much so. Uh, however, a little bit of a change of pace and a warm welcome back to Chris Salt.
0: Oh, hello, Chris.
1: Grounded by his parents for his volatile temper and unpredictable outbursts, troubled telekinetic teen Angus Management is forced to look (laughs) elsewhere for his entertainment. Inspired by some videos on the internet, he uses his powers to force the tramps outside his window to fight each other for scraps of liver. To his surprise, footage of his hepatological hijinks quickly cause a stir online, and Angus finds himself at the centre of a new media sensation. But now, with clicks climbing and the trap battle videos becoming more and more extreme, his powers begin to spiral out of control. Can he quell the psychic storm building within him, or will he be consumed by the carnivorous compulsion? Find out in (laughs) heavy-handed 2009 techno allegory, eat, pray, like, subscribe. CP Buckley on Instagram when Horace Bookworthy arrives in the big city from his country home he finds himself in the middle of an outbreak of a virus that turns people into cannibals as he tries to escape the city he runs across a group of uninfected led by Tina Topheavy. she's in a lot of CP's movies mm. Horace falls instantly in love but as he makes a move on Tina she starts to get a little aggressive now Horace hunts for a cure and tries to survive all while hoping Tina still loves him after she's cured it's an ill-advised 1981 musical horror from director Linguini Fettuccini <laughs> Loving the times of cannibalism, <laughs> James Rodriguez. When they're caught in the middle of, <laughs> when they're caught in the middle of a nuclear explosion, scientist bunsen brigadier. <laughs> And reporter Parker Peters find themselves fused together. They share a brand new body with an array of amazing powers, although these newfound abilities run on a special type of fuel, human flesh. As more dangers face their city, they must consume more people, which begs the question, who is the real danger to the citizens? (laughs) (laughs) Sam Ashurst takes his franchise in a startling new direction with a little more (laughs) flesh-hold-the-bone...
0: A warm welcome to Sam and the pictures. <laughs>
1: yeah, to the of pictureverse, yeah. Kevin Matthews, Rachel Riley is patient zero in a deadly virus that starts, yes, a countdown to find a cure before everyone shits themselves to death. <laughs> it's the unexpected 2021 TV horror hit Countdown the Movie and Another Bowel, Please. <laughs> uh, Laura Bynum on Facebook simply titling it New Gaviscon Ultra. <laughs> Almost there then, Kean O'Brien on Facebook. When brilliant but reckless scientist Dr. R. Ga Mabolix is blasted with a dangerous radiation during a test gone wrong, physical changes begin to occur. Somehow, despite a complete lack of a female sexual or reproductive presence, Mabolix's sperm begins to grow at a disturbing pace, quickly becoming fully formed, and very, very vicious men inside his testicles. (laughs) How will Mr. Mabolix relieve himself with the load that burdens him? (laughs) Will he get to shoot it out at all? Find out in the film, critics are calling a beautiful parable on the dangers of radiation on the human testes that rivals that one episode of South Park. It's 1979's Scrotal Nuclear Annihilation. Okay. And to wrap us up this week, it is Bill Carr. Ah, lovely, lovely. On Twitter, prog rock keyboardist Gandalf (laughs) Akabusi stars in Slain by a Nibble, Ball Full of Carnivores. (laughs) (laughs) Like a- <laughs>
0: Slain by a nibble, ball full of carnivores. <laughs> wow! Uh, best character to build for a Gandalf Akabusi Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I think that Vincent Brigadier
1: was in the lead until then. I yeah, think that,
0: um, Also tremendous. Um, best pitch, uh, James Rodriguez.
1: All right. Okay. So uh, wins this week then for Bill and for James. Yeah. Well done, guys. Big well done to both of you. Big swathes of nothing in transit. So
0: you got one for me? I do. Uh, with you now.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. This I can work with this. So uh, there's no border to this image. The uh, background is dark, like a, either a very dark blue or black. Um, it's nighttime, I would say is is my main takeaway. There's also some kind of some kind of some kind of light blue mist. The bottom half of the image is blank. I'm assuming that's where the text has been removed. Mm-hmm. We are looking at a train here. Yeah, uh, front on, coming towards the viewer. It, it looks like a steam train, fair. as well. I would say. Um, just, just, just trying to be as thorough as possible. However, it also has a gigantic face on it. It's got two kind of like glowing light eyes. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like a skull. Yeah. Um, okay. But it's also got, um, it's got, it's like gonna get huge fangs and a row of sharp teeth. And then its mandible is a fair bit lower down, which is kind of just kind of very similar. And uh, yeah, its mouth is a big black and red. Expanse. Yeah. So, yeah, so there you go. Um, skull-faced, fanged, train, hurtles towards the viewer.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I, there's nothing else there.
1: No, there's nothing. I was going to say, like fairly simple, really, I would say. So, of course, I will need a minute.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I think what we need to start doing, Mitch, is thinking beyond Snyder's, right? Because there's other snacks and confectionery and things like that I'm quite fond of where they're maybe more UK based. So perhaps yep. it might actually be easier to make a connection and, and get that from them. For, for example, I'm a big fan of Heinz Ravioli. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if Heinz are handing out tins of ravioli to people who talk about it enough, but uh I like it. Well, that may be the next hype train you're gonna climb aboard. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah.
1: I feel like the spirit of this might be a little bit kind of maybe a little bit disingenuous if we're just kind of picking things that we're most likely to get endorsements or uh, reaches out from. <laughs> But you know what? You handle the ethics of this however you please. (laughs) In the meantime, though, I think I've got something here. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's do it. It's the final day on the job for introverted train driver Hector Caboose. Oh... With widespread layoffs getting to every corner of the really great train company, his 34-year spell at the wheel has come to an unceremonious end. However, his misery is compounded when he finds out that his job will be taken by fresh-faced upstart Frank Lee Smug, And that's enough to put Hector over the edge. As his final trip commences, Hector embarks on a murderous rampage throughout the train. With no stops in sight, it's down to Frank to get the train to its destination in time to save the passengers, In 1983's claustrophobic thrill ride, Hector's Last Ride, The Caboose Is Loose.
0: Okay, 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 okay. yeah, that's fine.
1: Thanks. So, 1983 was my year choice then? Okay, so the
0: year is in fact
1: 1989. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, that's 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 fine. I mean, I'm in an okay ballpark there. I'm happy with it. Uh, what's the film? Well, the film
0: is a mock train.
1: A mock train, as in AMOK. Yes,
0: uh, also known as Beyond the Door Three. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, who's synopsising this? The synopsiser this week is Blythe379. 379. Blythe379. 379. Okay, hit me. A shy coed and her classmates travel to the Balkans in Europe to see a rare local ritual. With a Satanist professor with them, he lures them into <laughs> deadly traps to become sacrifices to Satan. One co-ed is a virgin, the main key to bring Satan back to life. But can the co-ed lose her virginity before Satan controls the world? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Have you seen those? Yeah, it's not good.
1: No, it sounds awful. Yeah. Um, that concludes Mitch's pictures for this week. If you want to get in touch, then uh, that image will be everywhere by now. Yeah. So get on it. Yeah. Streaming platforms then, and um, a decent amount. Uh, coming this week which is probably not that surprising as we're passing another first of the month yeah which is when you often get a decent sized uh, content drop so yeah the streaming platforms this week then April 26th to May 2nd on Sky Cinema then on Thursday we've got Dead Water when a relaxing getaway turns deadly a former marine must risk his life once again to save his wife and best friend from pirates I hate the title of that film so much <laughs> Dead Water but yeah there you go that's there on Amazon Prime on Saturday the 1st we have got uh, Alien Aliens Alien 3 and Alien resurrection okay excellent also the haunting in connecticut 2 ghosts of georgia right uh andy and lisa move into a old southern house in georgia with their daughter soon they discover they're not alone and learn a haunting and destructive secret of the house also got warm bodies um, oh, right,
0: okay. Nice.
1: Landon as well, uh, which I think is a really fun film. Uh, Scavenger Party R, a zombie meets Julie and feels strangely protective of her. As he begins to regain his human tendencies, their love is threatened by the very difference of their existence. I Yeah, like I say, I really like this film. Really, really fun. Really great soundtrack. Really stylish. Loads yeah. of, like, really like it like a really... Heartwarming. Yeah, it really is. It's mm. a cracker. Uh, Netflix then. On Thursday, we have got a Netflix original starring Amanda Seyfried, Things Heard and Seen. Okay, what's this? A young woman discovers that both her husband and her new home harbour sinister secrets after they leave Manhattan for small-time life. Mm-hmm. Now, I am just fresh off You Should Have Left. Yes. Which is also Amanda Seyfried and her family moving to a rural uh, location. Okay, okay, okay. So
0: she's at it again.
1: Yeah, I might give this a whack. I think it sounds. Uh, I think it sounds kind of interesting. And on Saturday, we've got a couple landing there as well. Uh, got the fourth kind. Okay, right. I've not
0: seen this in a long time.
1: Uh, in Nome, Alaska, a psychiatrist videotapes her therapy sessions with clients who claim they've experienced alien abductions. Also, premonition. Uh, Linda is devastated when her husband dies suddenly in a car crash, but then he reappears the next day as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> Shudder's got a couple of things for us, of course. On Monday, a lot of you out there are going to be excited for this,
0: I think, In Search of Darkness Part 2. Yeah, if you've got four hours and 20 minutes to kill, uh, this is yep. probably
1: a good way to kill it. Four more hours. The documentary continues with a deeper dive into 80s horror movies with an emphasis on practical effects.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, Monday got Wakewood. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, this was one of those... Uh early films that came out run about the rekindling of Hammer.
1: Yeah, I think it was kind of one of the better ones. I think that this is kind of like much better thought of than things like The Quiet Ones yeah, and stuff like Aiden that.
0: Aidan in this. That's right,
1: yeah. A grieving couple are given the chance to resurrect their daughter in this Irish film starring Aiden Gillen. After Alice's accidental death, her parents move to a quaint village to make a fresh start, but when a local offers to perform a ceremony that will temporarily bring their daughter back, they can't resist. Needless to say, when she comes back, she isn't quite herself. <laughs> Um, Another catalogue title landing on Shutter on Thursday. I don't know if you've seen this, Andy, but the synopsis piqued my curiosity. Back to 1972 for Horror Express. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, While travelling on the Trans-Siberian Express. This is an incredibly complex sentence. While travelling on the Trans-Siberian Express, an anthropologist and his rival must contain the threat posed by the former's cargo, a prehistoric ape which is the host for a life form that is absorbing the minds of the passengers and crew.
0: Yeah, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Okay. Cool. I
1: think it sounds pretty interesting, but uh, there's a lot going on on there. <laughs> and on Thursday, uh, we've also got a premiere, sort of original, Dead House Dark, an anthology of mm. six interconnected horror shorts, Dead House Darks anchored by a woman who receives a mystery box from the dark web, each item within it gradually unveiling a troubling truth.
0: Don't like that title at all, I have to say.
1: Yeah, I'm not mad about it either. That is your lot for this week, though. Um, I'm going to go with Warm Bodies as a pick. I'm going to go with Alien. Oh yeah, of course, that's it there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because uh, contrary to the... Discourse a couple of weeks ago, Alien is a horror movie.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can be set in space. That I actually think that of the available list, you choosing Alien and me choosing Warm Bodies is a perfect summation of our dynamic.
0: <laughs> I think that might be right, actually. <laughs>
1: Okay, that says a lot. Um, however, turn our attention to this week's show. Now, we have been talking about this for a really long time, and we have finally made it work. It is once again time for a Listener's Choice episode. Now, we did ask a little while ago, quite a few times actually, uh, for you guys to get in touch with your suggestions for a film that you would like to hear us talk about. And we went through them. We, as ever, very democratically, carried out a draw.
0: We and did. And have a winner. Yeah, and I'm delighted, actually delighted, by the result that we drew here. Because... Okay. I don't mind telling you that the the chosen film suggestion came from Bunny. Okay, yeah. And she went for 1986's Terror Vision. Yes, Terror Vision is our film
1: for the listener's choice, Volume 2. It's been too long since we've done one of these, I'm looking forward to it. If you guys want to catch up with this before the show, you can get it on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Now,
0: who are we doing it with?
1: Well, yeah, we thought that this would be a reasonable platform for a returning guest. Couldn't be better, really. I agree. We are delighted. So welcome this man back to the show You know him as the host of the Evolution of Horror podcast And, of course, from the Urban Legend episode of this show A huge warm welcome back to Mike Munzer
0: I cannot wait to have Mike Munzer back And to be talking television with him is something of an honour to me <laughs> Yeah, I am. Um, I believe this is gonna be a first watch for Mike as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm but, guessing it's a first watch for you.
1: Uh yes, of course it is. Yeah. A very early Mitch's Pictures image, but um but I never followed up at the time. So yeah, looking forward to this. We are talking at the behest of Feebunny. Yes. We are talking at with Mike Munzer this week. If you wanna get in touch and talk to us about that, you know what to do. Facebook and Instagram are strong language violent scenes, you can tweet us at strong violent PC. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker, and you can, of course, email scenes at gmail.com.
0: Yep, and patrons, thank you so much. You're all amazing. Thank you for continually dipping into your pockets to keep us doing this. And to, I mean, all we ever wanted to do with the Patreon was to have the show kind of self-funding. And we more than doing that now and that's down to you guys so thank you very much more content coming this week yeah eyes on the feed for that and dipping into the arrow player for a
1: new release review this week yeah however back in the main feeds this Friday we're talking Terror Vision with Mike Munster join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chance goodbye bye